Welcome to episode 21 of Super States, Practices of Transformation with me, your host, Joshua Peters. Super States explores the intersection of using trans states to create personal or professional growth. In each episode, we talk to world-class experts, to industry leaders and revolutionary thinkers who share with us the latest information, tools, along with their personal stories to inspire you on your journey. This week, I talk with Lily Eggers. Lily is a licensed psychotherapist and a medicine woman fascinated by the human experience and passionate about working with couples. In this episode, Lily shares the true power of nourishing relationships and building genuine connection. Keep listening for Expanding Consciousness in Relationships with Lily Eggers. Lily Eggers, welcome to Super States. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Uh, Lily, I've, I've known you for a while. We've gone through a coaching program, I guess it's maybe two, maybe even three years ago two now. Two years, yeah. yeah it, mm-hmm. It's been quite a while. Uh, so it was really great to reconnect with you. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm surrounded by these amazing coaches and, and transformative healers in my life, just from all the training that I've done that, and I've got to meet you all. So uh, for the people that don't know you, why don't you describe what you do, how that transform lives, uh, whether that's your own life or anybody else's. Mm, mm. I love that you invited the part about it transforming my life. It definitely feels very transformative, my work. Um, I work, I mean, I'm a, I'm a licensed psychotherapist, um, but that's a little piece of a larger exploration of who I am and how I exist in the world. But I work with folks um, predominantly in couples, although also sometimes who are looking for love, wanting to expand their capacity for love, wanting to understand how they bring it into their lives more. Um, I really adore uh, supporting people to come into greater presence, um, to learn to ground themselves, to work with their nervous systems, to learn how to recognize when they're in a state, whatever the state may be, and to work with that state out of that state into something else to have more management, uh, to have more self, uh, self, I don't like the word control, but really self-management to engage themselves in a way that they have more choice. Um, and I love doing that in the couple relationship, mostly because people come in, in with such aggravation, with such pain points, that such great suffering. Um, and in the couple relationship, really bringing folks into presence, bringing them into their heart space, bringing them into real deep listening. Um, I have found it to be so deeply transformative, not just in their relationships, but also in in how they exist in the world. It's about intentionality. I love the word intentionality. So we're not just reacting to what's happening all the time. We're actually bringing something that is a pause, a choice. Um, and I'd say it's transformed my life tremendously because I have to practice everything that I work with, with couples. So it's, it's learned in the, in the sort of, in the, the, the testing zone of my own marriage. And then I bring it to people <laughs> and say, this works. I promise it's possible. Um, so yeah, it's been a beautiful journey. I love what I do. I love how I get to become interested in something and then 
and then invite that. Right now I'm, I'm organizing uh, a year-long program for women coaches who work in the psychedelic space. So it's, I'm working with another psychotherapist and we're having in-person retreats as well as um, online stuff to just really deepen the process of what does it mean to be a facilitator? How do we hold space? How do we best show up for others in who are in non-ordinary states of consciousness? So that's a very long answer, but there it is. <laughs> and and very thorough. Uh, a couple of things that I really liked from that, like uh, my own experience with relationship, it, it's one of the most powerful ways to grow. And I don't know if this is how it really works, but it kind of seems like we are attracted to those people that are opposite of us. Yes. And yes. And they have it's something to teach us. Wounding. Yes. It's like the yeah, perfect yeah. wounding. It's like a puzzle piece. Like, oh, your wounding and my wounding match perfectly together where you activate my my tiny little, the most tender spot. You know right <laughs> how to touch it. And man, do I know how to touch yours. And and it's that is the healing. That is where the healing happens, is in that perfect coming together, that perfect sort of um, uh, dynamic. Uh, and that's the potentiality for growth right there to me is just the most exciting thing. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. Now, I know we, we talked just briefly before we started recording here, and you started to share with me uh, really a lifetime of interest in, uh, in trance states mm -hmm. and, and these altered kinds of states. So, uh, what's your backstory? How did you get to yeah. where you are now? You know, I was homeschooled in rural Maine um, by kind of hippie parents, or not really hippie, but they were non—they were definitely non-traditional folks. And I got a lot of time in nature as a, as a kid, a lot of alone time, a lot of time in nature. And through that experience, I feel like I really maintained this contact with self. Like I really had a, had a connection to my inner voice. And through that, I was inherently drawn to growth experiences, uh, not just like courses. And, you know, I did landmark education as a teenager, not just sort of cognitive growth, but things like drum circles and ritual. I was really intrigued by, by um, you know, the, the practice of smudging, energetic smudging of space, um, ceremony, ritual was, it was like my being felt drawn towards it. And through my twenties, I was involved in a yoga organization that was really into, it was almost like hard exercise. We do, you know, 5am bow training, you know, things that were really bringing you into past the thought, think, thinking mind, the prefrontal cortex kind of turns off. And so, and then I was a body worker and a yoga instructor. And these were all very, um, they were jobs that I didn't have to compartmentalize myself. I didn't have to um, like squish myself into a shape that I couldn't fit into. Like I could never have worked an office job. I just knew that about myself. Like I cannot squeeze myself into a shape to sit in a desk for an entire day. I can't do it. <laughs> I have too much energy. I need to move around. I need to stretch. Um, even the graduate school that I went to, which is the California Institute of Integral Studies, which I is a, an amazing school for non-ordinary states of consciousness. They have incredible offerings in that area. It's encouraged. I studied somatic psychotherapies. So body-centered psychotherapy, it, during a lecture, you're encouraged to move around and stretch and eat and, and lay down. You could put pillows on the floor and lay. So there's, there's this acknowledgement that like 
you are attuned to your body's needs at all times and you give yourself what you need with your body. And I found the rest of our culture and our society, it was like, don't listen to your body's needs. In fact, if you want to do well at this job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I, I would say, I've always just listened to that guide saying, go do the, go do the thing that's really deeply in alignment with yourself. And I'd say that's evolved and shifted as I've evolved and expanded as a human. So right now my passion is relationships. I'm celebrating my 10 year anniversary this week. And I feel like that, I still love that. It still fires me up being a parent as being a spiritual path. Um, um, and, and And the dance of sexuality and of psychedelics and all these things, like I get to work in that space because it's what fires me up. And that has always been part of my life practice really from the time I was very young. That's, that's a, 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 there's a lot there to what you just said. Um, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you got from all of those experiences? Um, I would say that the importance of slowing down and of, of making space for the subtle that so often we're trying to manage or control or rush or push. And that when we actually receive, when we slow down and we receive and we make space, and I think psychedelics are an, uh, are an amazing sort of, they speed up this process to learning this, but really meditation does it or any kind of mindfulness practice. When we slow down, we can begin to perceive reality instead of our projection of reality. And that if and that if we're not living in our projection, we we are beginning to acknowledge that there is more to what we think is happening. And I'd say all of that has given me such an important uh, practice of inquiry where I might have a feeling or a thought and instead of just going with the thought or feeling, I might check in and track it. Like what is that? Where is that coming from? How, what part of me is, is experiencing this? And it just slows down what might seem like something that's just reactive and fast. Like, oh, you're having a thought or a reaction to, no, it's actually, there's so much that is happening. Mm. And what's possible when two people do that, especially in relationship, whether they're dancing, whether they're kissing, whether they're talking, whether they're walking together or eating a meal, is it allows for this incredible pleasure and sensory experience. And that's what fires me up is that when people slow enough to really savor being alive in a human body, like there's so much possibility for pleasure that we miss because we're moving so fast and we're thinking about other things and we're on our phones. And so, yeah, I'd say that's the biggest thing for me. Slow down and Slow down. enjoy I, it. <laughs> I, I totally resonate with that as someone who's used to going pretty pretty hard most of the time. That's a big lesson uh, for me yeah. as well, slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. So you've, you're a licensed psychotherapist. So uh, you've been trained in a semi-traditional type of models. Uh, what would you say... Uh, what I want to say here is outside of that, you've got a lot of other experiences. So what would you say has changed about your work from when you first started to, to where you are now? Mm. 
the first word that just popped into my mind is expansion. Um, I chose CIIS, the, the master's program I went to, because they inc- they allow, the California license allows touch. If you're trained in touch, you're allowed to touch your clients. And I had started a graduate um, counseling psychology program in, in Massachusetts, and they were very strict ethic, ethical guidelines or you cannot touch your your clients. And I was like, ugh, I think use of my hands, like I'm a body worker, I'm an energy worker. Sometimes if someone's in a deep state of, of sadness, it's unethical for me not to go offer to hold a hand. Now you're always careful about consent and reading mm-hmm. subtle cues in case someone is feeling overwhelmed by your touch, but it's a, it's a, it's a very um, sensitive thing, but either way, being, being forbidden from it never worked for me. So I'd say I, I, though I had a traditional, as in I studied psychopharmacology and all the, you know, diagnoses and all that, I would say I've always been drawn towards the edge, edgy, the edgy way of exploring psychology of, of really it's, it's a mind practice and really incorporating the body. So to answer your question, I'd say what I've really added, I think, especially with the, you know, I started my first psychedelic ceremonial presence, psychedelic experience was about 13 years ago, right when I was in grad school. And I would say through that time with the, with the, like, I would say, I don't want to say tremendous, that's an exaggeration, but a lot of psychedelic experiences over those 13 years, I would say that what's expanded for me is not just the body. It's almost like the universe existed inside of me. And I always knew that the subtle, Mm -hmm. the subtle visceral sensations. And I knew how to go here. And I'd say psychedelics kind of brought me here. Like, oh, there's this entire universe outside of me too. And that actually those are one, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> not to get too deep into the <laughs> into let's, the oneness of all things, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's all one, and and it's really about kind of how do we expand our consciousness so that we can exist in that knowingness all the time. Yeah. And I've you know by going inside, I experienced it, and then and then I would say over time, it's been going outside, and really also in the relational realm of of being mirrored by another, being seen by another, deeply seeing another is another way for that remembering of our of our universal consciousness uh, beingness. That's who we are. It's how we are, and it gets to be experienced in relationship too. Yeah. So I'd say, in some ways, I've yeah, just kind of grown more and more uh, spiritual, but that word doesn't encapsulate it. It's more about understanding the realms of this lived experience out of just the body and mind and to include um, these these this much more vast knowingness and bringing it into my work, which has been very scary for me. You know, you know, attracting clients is like, well, I work with couples in distress. Anybody can be like, oh, that's great. I want to work with somebody. Yeah, I want to work with you. Know how to help us fight? Great. But actually, what I what I really want to help people do is like start to access their 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 source energy and their knowingness of their universal unconditional love. It's you know that I, that's my edge is sort of being like that's actually what I do. Now <laughs> yeah. I need to just step out and say it. Like, guess what? I I'm working with the spirit and the soul, and I'm working with. God, whatever your language is around it, but 
but there's a higher power here, this love energy, and that's what we're doing. It's not just learning the skills. It's not just learning the tools and the strategies. And you got to learn all that so you do it well. But really what I'm what I'm wanting to guide folks into is a, is a much more profound experience of self and other than I even totally have language for. Yeah. I've experienced okay. it with my husband, but I don't always have the language for it. The more that I'm, uh, the more that I talk to people like you that are out there uh, doing this kind of work, it really seems like it's it's leaning into who you are. Yeah. And, yes. And that's a that's a a challenging way to be in the modern mm-hmm. world. And who are we really? Right. It's it's a learning as well yeah. as a leaning. Oh, for sure. For sure. And surprising ourselves. Um, I'd say for years I've been another aspect of my sort of self-expression is, is authoring. I'm writing a one woman play called Moms on Drugs. Look for it coming out in the next decade or so. (laughs) It's a process (laughs) to create it, but it's really about exactly what you're talking about is like how to be, how to not just be our, with ourselves and know ourselves as the first step, but like be ourselves and be seen in ourselves, allow ourselves to be accurately reflected back instead of posturing or, or performing, um, mm-hmm. instead of hiding, right? We hide so much as human beings and we don't even know we're doing it. Um, right. And what I love about transformative work is like you suddenly realize how you're hiding yourself or you realize how you're holding yourself back or you realize how you're choosing, you know, disconnection out of fear instead of doing the scary thing out of love, being vulnerable out of love and 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 that like drive to be committed. Your nervous system says threat response, threat response, like get out of there, go small, be, you know, save yourself too, too hot, too vulnerable, but that isn't satisfying to most people actually that we, we want to have our feet in the flame a little bit. We want to, to grow. I really do believe that people want to grow. They just are scared and they don't have the hand held to be like, I know it's scary. Stay with it. Hold that, hold that, you know, sometimes couples will be sitting and they're like turned away from each other. And I'm like, can you just turn towards each other? And they're like, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. You know, it's so uncomfortable. And I'm like, I know it's so uncomfortable. Stick with it. If it's really terrible, I'll move you out of it. But let's stick with it for a minute. Take some breaths here. Like just, just let yourself relax while your body's facing each other. You don't have to look at them right now. Just keep your eyes down, but just let people dance that edge of, I don't want to. And you do, some part of you does, or you wouldn't be here. Right. So I'm going to hold that part for you. Um, yeah. How do you, uh, how do you push your edge? Like Mm -hmm. how are you, uh, educating or learning about yourself? Oh my gosh. How am I not? Sometimes I wish I could just take a vacation from myself. Oh gosh. You know, I, uh, I read a lot. I, um, I really love to practice. So I really believe in practice. Like reading is one thing, but I, the, the left brain is important to work, but it's really key in the right brain. And I say, I practice in many different realms. The most, the area of most practice for me is with my family. Um, I, I see myself as like 
a, a practitioner within my home. I have two kids. Mm-hmm. They're eight and five. They're high energy, spirited beings that don't live in fear. <laughs> they live in full expression of themselves, which comes out in defiance and wanting, full of desire. And man, do I are, I experience my system is overwhelmed. So I, I do feel like I learn from them all the time in my own desire to escape or my own desire to control them or be an authoritarian to crush them a little bit, you know, contain yourselves. And like, they're part of my practice so, so much. Um, and certainly my marriage is huge, is huge part of my area of practice. I meditate, I, I exercise, I dance, you know, things like that. But, but really it's the mindfulness and the presence just in my daily life is how my edges are grown. And I'm creating this play and growing groups. You know, I run groups and my clients, I grow with I grow with my clients as well. I've started to get intrigued by working not in, you know, 50 or 75 minute sessions. So now I'm wanting to do longer sessions with couples. So I do two or two and a half hours. We might burn incense. We might do have altars um, to bring in the sacred, to actively bring in the sacred and to, again, make space for what needs to emerge that may be at a slower pace than a 50-minute session or 75-minute allows, that when we make the space for this, when we can sit in silence for a minute, when we can, you know, allow sometimes this emergent experience is it's just not, uh, it's not always on our time frame. So um, that I like working that way. So now I've, I offer that now to couples. In fact, I encourage it to them. So I'd say I'm, I'm always learning and growing and expanding and just changing my practice when I feel like it. Um, just being like, oh, now this is how I work. Like I only work with folks who do my group because my group is so great. <laughs> it's so like, I just see it. I'm like, it's so good. I want the whole world to take my group. It's so helpful. And the work we do individually or privately just goes so much faster that I can't in good conscience, just see people without doing my group. Um, and some people don't want to do a group and that's totally fine. I respect that. But it, but I just, that's my boundary. Like, oh, well, I, that's, that's how I do it. Um, so I find, and that was a big edge to be turning people away. You know, like, I'm sorry, we can't work together. You got to do my group. Um, And so I'd say I just in my work, in my life, I just believe in really honoring. And again, it comes back to that first thing I was talking about as, as a kid, my own development as a kid of listening to my heart, listening to my subtle body cues of when something is off when something isn't right. And I listen to that and I say, what do I need to say? What do I need to do to help me shift the direction of my boat here? Cause it's going, it's going in the wrong way. And then read when I, I can feel it embodied, like, ah, click. Now I'm in flow state again. And I'd say my growth is often really listening to that and making sure that I'm not stuck because I'm afraid or I don't want to deal with it or something like that. So I'm, it's a practice of looking for those things. What am I not seeing? How is How are my relationships reflecting what I can't see consciously? Psychedelics, certainly. But how are my, how is this moment with my kid where I think they're the problem? How is it, how am I engaging with them in a way that's activating them? And what can I do differently? So it's really, there's practice everywhere. 
Yeah, a lot of what I'm hearing from you is really being aware of how our experience affects someone else's experience. And like you said, those the states that we find ourselves in, I, I like to think of this as uh, we react most of the time. And really what we want to do is to respond. Yes. Right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And to be humble, you know, to get really curious, like, what do I not know about myself? Um, I think people often, they come into couples therapy, certainly they, are, they really know what their partner's doing wrong. They can list it off. They can give examples. They've thought it all through. They've journaled. They've told their friends, <laughs> their therapists. They know. And and what I love to do is record couples. I actually video record them when we do Zoom sessions and they watch it so that they can start to see the nonverbal ways that they show up of like, you know, I, I discovered in my, it wasn't in my couples therapy, but I discovered it through the reactivity of my husband is that this eyebrow has a fuck you energy to it when I feel like it. <laughs> when I feel like saying fuck you, but I would never say that because I'm a good therapist. I can uh -huh. say it with my face. And that when I discover that his system is reading the fuck you perfectly well, because my face is saying it and he's reacting with a defense and I'm like, why are you so defensive? It's because I'm saying fuck you. I might as well just say it, you know, and to learn like, oh, I need to soften my eyes. My eyes are aggressive. My my yeah. face is pointed and attacking. And when I don't do that, the whole conversation goes better. And so there's a kind of humility to, to relationship when you really own my, my partner's nervous system is mine to tend. And if they're activated, I need to change course here too. How do mm -hmm. I help them and soothe them in this moment instead of keep point poking at them because it just doesn't lead to, it just doesn't, it's not helpful. Yeah. It's really not effective. You know, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What consciousness say, is key. Oh, what was that last thing you said? Oh, just consciousness is key. Knowing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What would you say is the most misunderstood aspect of relationship coaching? I think it is that we need to focus on conflict. Um, so many people, you go into a couple's counselor or relationship coach or whatever, and the first thing they say is, why are you here? And then they dig in and people dig in immediately to what's not working. And what I like, how I like to work is to ask the question, what are you longing for? What are you wanting? So that they're translating it in their head, not from what you do wrong, but to what I'm wanting. Like if you were to do the thing that I want, what would I feel like? What would that be like? I want connection. I want ease. I want playfulness. I want to be able to share my feelings without being afraid of being attacked. I want, you know, and that when we start to go from that visualizing and that creation, that creative point, then couples therapy gets to be fun. It gets to be fun and enlivening and inspiring and co-creative. I have people who've gone through my group that like are begging to get in for this, for another round. It's enjoyable. And there's such a reputation. In fact, I was just talking to a friend of my husband's the other day and he was like, Oh God, I hate couples therapy. I dread it. I almost have panic attacks before going. And I just, my heart sinks because it does have a reputation for being 
arduous and full of suffering. And that's because it's conflict focused. And I do not work that way. I'm strength focused. And that when you feel nourished by relationship, when you remember why you were drawn to that person, what you like about them, not just love, what you like about them, why you want to fight for the relationship, why spend a ton of money and time fighting for the relationship, doing this hard work. Why do this? When you remember those things and you actually have some some built in acknowledging of each other, seeing each other, valuing each other, loving. How do you love each other? How do you tend when that's starting to get worked and practiced from that place, you bring out the conflict. So I don't start with conflict. We might do a little naming of patterns just to kind of get management of it. So we know what we're dealing with, but then when folks do like say a 12 session private program with me, it might not be till the fifth session that we're like, okay, everyone feeling good, warm, soft, supportive, loving, they're holding hands, they're laughing. They're like, okay, let's talk about that thing that's so scary to talk about. We never want to talk about it. Okay. Opening up the relationship or me changing jobs or moving or having a kid or whatever it is. They couldn't do it before because it was too activating. They'd end up having a fight. So having that, that, um, that, really groundwork of good feelings and connection makes the conflict. You just have it differently. It's a different way of interacting um, when that other stuff is in place. Yeah. It sounds like it becomes less of a conflict and now it just becomes a conversation. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and really understanding the nervous system. And I just want to like really underscore that here, that if for takeaways for people that like understanding the way your nervous system works and understanding the way your partner's nervous system works is also key. And that's also how to reduce and to see that like, oh, you feel unsafe when I say fuck you with my eyebrow. I need to not do that. You know, I need to not activate you. I don't want to be scary. That's not my goal, you know, like, of course I don't want to. So yeah. Uh, Who do you, uh, who do you look up to? Who's a a mentor, a role model for you? Yeah. My favorite mentor for sure is Stan Tatkin. Um, He is a couples therapist. He's written a number of books. He has a Ted talk um, and I I'm trained, I'm certified in his, in his um, methods. It's called PACT, Psycho Neurobiological Approach to Couples Therapy. He has a phenomenal Instagram. Um, He has training for therapists as well as like couples retreats and stuff. And he is really, really my role model. Um, He includes the attachment theory, the nervous system regulation, and brings it into the experiential and a really, really exciting and deeply, deeply present way. And um, I, I love I love being inspired by his work and then adding all of my own stuff to it. And, and it feels just really, really great. He's my favorite. I'll, I'll just find that TED Talk. I'll put a link to the TED Talk in the cool. show notes. Uh, so based on like everything that you've just talked, you, you've given us all kinds of different examples on, uh, on how you work with couples. Give us a, a, a practical way that someone could use one of these techniques to either improve their life or maybe connect better with their partner? Mm. Um, like what I just did. <laughs> I yeah. just took a deep breath. 
Um, it's funny. I was, I kind of went, I had my own little reactive response there where I was like, oh gosh, I don't have something coming to mind right away. I got a little nervous. And then I took a deep breath to slow my own system down and I closed my eyes to go inside. So I did that without meaning to, I wasn't meaning to have that be what I brought, but it was, I did it. And it was exactly what I needed to bring my head back, to relax my shoulders, to get oxygen to my brain and to, and to, and to soothe whatever felt like a little bit of a, like, oh gosh, do I have a good answer ready to, to bring forth right away? Um, so deep breathing, um, and with a big exhale is huge. Yeah. Um, it slows down the communication. It, it helps us it respond. It helps us respond and not react. Yeah. Yeah. So that is number one. <laughs> and I modeled it because <laughs> I got nervous. Perfect. No, that's, that's absolutely perfect. Uh, is there anything... So say someone is interested in doing some kind of couples therapy. Mm-hmm. What are the th- things that they would want to, I don't know, be be concerned about or like have in the back of their mind so that they're doing this in a smart way? Yeah. Especially if With- they get easily activated or they're, yeah. you know, maybe in that, you could think of it as a trance because that, that conflict trance is definitely a trance right yep. there. Yep. Yeah. It's conflict trance and love trance. It's both, you know, I love the love trance too. I just really want to make sure that that's included too, because it's really yummy and juicy and good. Um, Are you meaning in working with me or in working with any couples therapist? Like if anyone wants to go get support with their relationship. I I was thinking as a, in general. More generally. Yeah. Is it more general? Yeah. I think the first question I always think people should ask is how's your relationship? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how how are you doing it? Um, so so that you are working with someone who is practicing this stuff. They don't just live in the book modeling of it. They're not just teaching protocols they learned. Um, they're actually practicing it because what happens real time is out of the books. No book covers every single imaginable possibility. Mm. And if you're sticking to your book, you're going to lose the presence. But when you've done this with a partner enough times, you know that there is a way out, even if it's not really clear in that moment. And I think what can happen is couples therapists, they get scared and they're like, Ooh, this is scary. Or there's anger here. We need to shut this down or whatever it is. And so I think making sure you're working with someone, A, who is an expert, in couples therapy, um, this is something I didn't learn until, you know, as a marriage and family therapist, I had to accrue certain hours to get my license. And I decided to work with couples. And what I learned is that couples therapy is a, is it's, it's, it's its own art form. I actually think we should have different licenses because you're not doing the same thing. You're not even, I mean, some of the same theory stands, but the work itself is entirely unique. And you want someone who has clocked a ton of hours with two people in the room, Mm -hmm. not just one. Because what can happen is if someone works a lot with individuals is they have a more slow attuning. Their way of working is very attuning and very quiet and they leave a lot of space. And what people need is that they trust that there's a person, there's a referee that's going to stop, that's going to blow a whistle and say, you stop, 
Stop that. Stop talking. They need to know that someone has management of the situation and isn't just, uh-huh, say more about that. Tell me more. They so I stop people if I know that what they're about to say is going to hurt the other person. Now, I let them do it once because I need to understand their particular version. But sometimes I can tell someone's starting to go down a path and I'm like, we don't need that right now. And I'll direct them. How? Okay. I hear that you're really mad right now. How can you share that in a way that you know he can take in or she can take in? Yeah. Because doing it the way you've done it before, you know what happens. We've gone over that before. Try it another way right now. Oh, 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 let me help you. Let me help you even more. You know, <laughs> I feel like a director. You know, I was a yeah. theater person. Actually, that's another part of my non, you know, non-ordinary states of consciousness is yeah. theater. And, and I do feel sometimes what I do is there's a fake it till you make it, or like at least get yourself in the position. So you're open to feeling the state that you're wanting to feel with the other person. Yeah. Um, so I would say, um, that, yeah, that's a, that's a really important part of the work. It makes me think, uh, one of the, so I see a lot of people for lots of different reasons. I don't see couples, but many, many times a relationship falls into the overall uh, picture of their of their particular challenge. And one of the things that has made a huge impact in in my relationship, and this is something that my wife brought into it, is uh, nonviolent communication. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine mm -hmm. you, you know what that is. Yeah. So I yeah. will often do my best to <laughs> explain how nonviolent communication can work because it 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 does such a good job of yeah. removing the attack yes. and it becomes yes. when this thing happens this is how i feel yes yep. and what i really need is this can can i have that yes or no yeah. <laughs> right yeah. yeah yes and i want to add an addendum to that which i think is so key i love i really appreciate nonviolent communication but so much of the emphasis is around my feelings and my needs and how to communicate those, which is yeah. really important, right? You got to know that. But I would add to that really getting curious about your needs. I care about those. I want to hear about those. And so adding, like getting good at acknowledging and being able to ask for my needs, very important. And if someone is asking for their needs, it is my job to get really curious and to hear because your needs are my needs. Hmm. Your needs are my needs. When we're a team and we're really living in the model and the, the team model of we are in this together, it's not just me and my needs. It's you and your needs. And I have, to, I want to know those. So it's almost like expanding what what you're doing and how you hold it to include getting really curious and including that in what matters. It matters that you know what their needs are and how you impact them and that they yeah. feel safe sharing it with you. You know, it's the other person. It's like the silent other um, in nonviolent yeah. communication. It's the one receiving it. They have a job too. Um, yeah, yeah, Ab absolutely. Uh, so you, we've talked a lot about all different types of uh, non-ordinary states of consciousness as, as you described it a moment ago. Uh, and there's a, you're in California, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of movement, especially out in the West Coast and, and Denver and things where there's a lot yeah. of movement around using 
using plant medicines and uh, and other altered states of consciousness. What's yeah. giving you hope right now about uh, using these altered states of consciousness for mm. personal growth? Mm. I mean, they're really remarkable in their ability to cut through the the practiced neural networks, our default network, our mode of, of operating. Um, so psychedelics have this incredible capacity to just, you just lose them for a period of time. And it's amazing what we learn about ourselves from one journey. Um, even microdosing, like tiny, taking a tiny quantity can shift those neural networks just enough over time that people experience just rapid change. So I'd say what psychedelics offer is speed um, because of the intensity of how they work. They can speed everything up. So I am a huge fan. I practice myself. I, I think it's amazing what's possible. I do think that as they grow in popularity and certainly this boom, I mean, this boom in this revolution that's happening right now, I just hope that the education in set and setting, in having a safe other, whether it's a therapist or coach or, or friend or partner, it doesn't always matter. Um, but having someone who's has understands that role um, so that the experience can be integrated. So I'm both very excited and I feel sometimes a little bit of caution around the importance of the container of the psychedelic experience. So many people try acid, LSD at Burning Man. And I would never recommend someone try acid at Burning Man. That is the most intense experience place that you can possibly be. It's yeah. it's it's windy, it's hot, it's there's people, there's art everywhere, it's dangerous. I mean, I don't recommend it. Um, although people have great times sometimes, but people have really scary times too, dangerous, scary experiences. So I my I kind of feel like almost like a like I'm like, this is great. Let's do it carefully. Let's be conscientious. Let's be intentional, not reactive mm -hmm. in how we start to bring psychedelics into our lives and, and use the traditional models, use the safe containers, um, so that it can be as well held and as good an experience. And the, it becomes more transformative, the more holding and integration you have around it. And that's another thing is people will do a whole bunch of mushrooms or whatever at a concert. And then they're like, oh my God, everything's changed. Everything's different. And then they get home and everything is the same because it's unintegrated. It's like compartmentalized. Yeah. Like that right. day I saw God, you know, um, and it's like, well, how do you see God now? How do you do that? Let's practice that. Let's bring that into your life. Let's have practices. Let's have rememberings. Let's have journal, you know, to bring in the learning. So it's, so it's more deeply, um, integrated. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I really resonate with that. It's, um, it's really important from my own yeah. personal experience as well to, to take those lessons, bring them into the world. And, uh, one, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, directions that I'm moving myself is to help people with that. Cause there are really powerful ways that you can do that mm -hmm. with hypnosis. Mm, and, I bet. And, and you can do it consciously or unconsciously. So 
Yes, yes. One of my favorite um, therapist techniques for me to help me integrate is like replaying the experience, the whole journey, like replaying it like a story. And then we do EMDR. So we are like tapping in Mm -hmm. the the feeling states of that moment or the learning from that moment. Um, So I really, I think I'm sure hypnosis is so good for the integrative process of like bridging those conscious and unconscious so that they're not so split. Awesome work. Lily, if somebody wants to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they're welcome to look at my website. Um, It's funny as we started, you know, it feels a little outdated to me. It's all focused on couples and it's missing all of the juicy woo-woo spiritual stuff. And I'm sort of in a process of getting ready to kind of upgrade that website. Um, So you will see it. Um, It is missing the deep spiritual aspects, um, but, uh, but you can, you can, you know, schedule a consultation or, um, sign up for my upcoming group. I offer four groups a year online couples group. It's really, really helpful. I call it relationships 101 and it's just the basics. It's I talked about a lot here, the team model, understanding nervous systems, understanding attachment systems, basics of communication, establishing rules and guidelines and agreements so that you're, 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 you know, if we think about systems of governance, like we would never throw people together and, and assume that they can govern themselves without some, some established rules. Couples mm-hmm. need that too. So we often don't do that. And then we wonder why it feels like chaos and no man's land. So, you know, I like to bring in the, the fun and the play and the creativity and the inspiration and really support couples in that process. And it's been transformative. I've had three couples get engaged. I've had couples move back together who'd moved out. Um, it's an online group and it's only nine weeks. So a lot can happen in a short amount of time. And what's the website? It's lilyeggers.com. <laughs> awesome. I'll make sure to have that in the show notes as well. Uh, and Lily, what's, so what's one insight that you want this audience to leave with today? Um, it's around being a expansive spirit inside a human body. And getting to know, it's important to get to know the limits of your human body. Um, what's what's hard to have a nervous system or a threat response, um, to go through projections in your mind, um, and also about what's wonderful about being in a human body, which is that we have this capacity for pleasure. We have this incredible capacity for fun and enjoyment and 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 really choice. And and so I think my insight would be around. Give yourself permission to explore the different versions of yourself as a human and as a soul and um, and enjoy the work, enjoy the process of growth because it is really, really beautiful, fun, and so deeply satisfying. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thank you so much for being with me here, Lily. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much, Joshua. Thank you. Thank you.